He's out like a light. <laughs> Judges chapter 14. This is going to be our last giant, at least for a while, uh, that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we may pick this up again uh, in, a, in a few weeks. I don't know. I'm still praying about that. Uh, but this is going to be the last giant for, the, for a while. But here at Grace Baptist Church, we have talked a lot about the power of compassion. Um, compassion is something that I, I feel like is missing in a lot of people's lives. Uh, compassion is, is, is a rarity uh, today. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we, we hopefully are all familiar with the story of Moses. Um, uh, my wife has been teaching uh, Moses to the, to the little people, so they're probably all going, yep, we know the story of Moses, at least, yeah, I've been listening to it too. But in, in, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, this says that the river and her maidens walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she, she sent her, her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, uh, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, uh, This is one of the Hebrew children. She took him in. And she raised him as his as her own, and we all know that that child turns out to be Moses, the the deliverer of uh, Israel from the nation of Egypt. Jesus also is a demonstrator, if you would, of compassion uh, in, in many different occasions in Scripture. But I want to take a, and look at a couple here very quickly. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, and verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Now, the question is this, what is the common denominator between Pharaoh's, what was it, Pharaoh's daughter? Yeah, Pharaoh's daughter and Jesus. What is the common denominator that they both, what caused both of them to have compassion? Sight. They saw. She saw the basket floating in the river. And then she looked in and saw him and had compassion on the child. Jesus saw the multitude and had compassion on the multitude. So, the common denominator between Pharaoh's daughter and Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 14 is sight. They saw and they were moved with compassion. Now I want you to remember that because that's going to come up later in our in our in our the giant that we're going to be dealing with tonight. And the giant is not compassion because that's a good thing. <laughs> okay? 
but it's going to come up again. The common denominator. Don't forget that the common denominator is sight. Um, our theme this year is uh, to, to, to focus on the things of God, to have 2020 vision on the things of God. So, compassion is the motivation or the motivator of the heart. So, when we see, our heart is stirred and compassion is then demonstrated. So, let me give you the definition of compassion. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So, again, compassion is seeing someone or uh, who is having a difficult time, uh, having sympathy on them because of their misfortune or whatever, and then demonstrating uh, that compassion however it needs to be co uh, communicated to the individual. So, <clears throat> this evening, we are going to be looking at the opposite of compassion. And when I tell you what it is, you're going to go, wait a second, that is, that's the opposite of compassion. Well, just, just bear with me and it'll make sense. This evening, we're going to be talking about facing the giant of lust. Facing the giant of lust. Let me define lust for you. Lust is a passionate or overwhelming, overmastering desire or craving. So, in other words, compassion is all about others. Lust is all about me. That's why compassion is the opposite of lust. Because someone who is compassionate or shows compassion is showing compassion toward someone else. But a person who is consumed with lust is consumed about everything about me. Fighting, or excuse me, facing the giant of lust. Lust. Now, what character in Scripture do we often associate the word lust to? Anybody? Now that I have an audience to, that can... Okay, David with Bathsheba, that's not who I thought of. Okay, Samson who's, is who I thought of. Because to me, he's the... Yeah, Judge, Judges 14. <laughs> Somebody's got her thinking cap on. Good job, Candy. <laughs> okay, Judges chapter 14, and let's look at verse 1. It said, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw... Wait, oh, 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 what's that word? He saw. What did Jesus and Pharaoh's daughter do? They saw. 
he saw in Timnath and saw a woman of Timnath, the daughters uh, of the daughters of uh, the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said unto them, I have what? Seen a woman in Timnath of the daughter of Pharaoh, uh, uh, daughter of the Philistines. Um, now, therefore, give her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all the people that thou uh, goest to take a wife of the, uh, of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Give her for me, uh, excuse me, get her for me, for she pleases me exceed, uh, 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 ex- pleases me well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives again. Uh, help us tonight, Lord, to understand the disastrous effect that lust can have in our lives. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Samson here is demonstrating lust at its, at its, at its height. He saw and he wanted the absolute opposite of compassion. I want to give you four characteristics of this man tonight. Number one, he was a man of promise. He was a man of promise. Turn over to um, uh, Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, and let's start reading in verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, nor eat uh, any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come to his head. For the, the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall uh, begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistine. Uh, then the woman came and told her husband, uh, saying, A man of God uh, came unto me, and his countenance was uh, like the countenance of an angel of God, uh, very tr- uh, terrible. Uh, but I asked him uh, not whence he was, neither told me his name. And he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither uh, eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb uh, to this day, uh, uh, womb to the day of his death. He was a man of promise. I, he, he had everything he needed to, to do right. Uh, the word Nazarite here is a very specific meaning. Uh, and some, some of us understand and know what it means to be a Nazarite. But if you, 
you can write this down and you can you can do some research later but numbers chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 uh, lay out the um, the specific definition of what a Nazarite was and there were certain guidelines and things that they needed to adhere to in numbers chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it says uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying uh, speak unto the children of of Israel uh, and say unto them uh, when either men or women shall separate themselves to vow a vow of the Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord. And then the, it, it follows from there with the with the, the things that they could and could not do. They, they could not drink any wine or strong drink. Uh, they could not eat anything that was grown on the vine. No razor could touch their head. Um, they cannot touch anything dead and so on and so forth. Um, so Samson had everything going for him. Uh, in, in today's society, we would say that Samson uh, had every advantage to do right. He grew up in a, obviously he was Jewish, but in today's economy, we would say he grew up in a good Christian home. He went to church, you know, he had everything given to him that he needed to, to be a godly person. Samson had it all. He, he had great promise. Everything was just handed to him. The second characteristic about Samson that I want to talk about tonight is he was a man of power. He was a man of power in Judges chapter 13. Uh, verses 24 and 25, it says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move uh, him at times in the camp of Dan between uh, Zorah and Eshtalon. Now, I want to bring out something here that, that I found to be very, very interesting. We are in the book of Judges. And there, the book of Judges is, is a story of multiple judges. And the phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, appears multiple times in the book of Judges with multiple judges. Does, does that make sense? Okay. But only Samson will we find these words. Look back at verse 24 of chapter 13. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. None of the other judges in the book of Judges is that phrase used. That, that to me, I found that to be very interesting. Samson not only was a man of promise, but he was a man of power, and, and where did his power come from? His power came from God. Now, now we've talked about this several times <clears throat> at, at, at Grace Baptist Church, but my personal opinion is that Samson was just a normal guy. Uh, in fact, he might have even been a little on the scrawny side. Because, well, let, let, let me turn over to Judges chapter 16. 
Judges chapter 16. And I say that based off of this one verse. In Judges chapter 16, look at verse 15, or excuse me, verse 5. Uh, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee uh, every one uh, of us 1,100 pieces of silver. So my, my point is this. What, what, were they com- what, was the, what was the problem? They couldn't figure out where his great strength came from. Now, if Samson was a giant of a man, muscle-bound, like most Sunday school materials portray him, then his great strength could be explained. It would be obvious. But if he was normal or even a little on the scrawny side, then this great strength would be even more of a miracle. That's why I personally believe Samson was a man endued by the power of the Almighty God and not of his own strength. It was, it was that that perplexed the people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, 7, uh, verse 27, the Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, And God had chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. See, God uses things that we never would expect. God uses people that we would never expect to do great things. God uses the weak things to confound the wise. There are the foolish things to confound the wise. Just about, have you ever noticed about, just about the time meteorologists think they have it all figured out, <laughs> God throws them a curveball. I love it. I, 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 you know, I, it's the only job in the world where you could be right less than half the time and still have a job. And, and get paid good for it too, yeah. But see, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that's why I believe that, that Samson was a man of power because of God and not himself. Number three, Samson was a man of pleasure. He was a man of pleasure. Look back at our text in, in, in chapter 14. And when Samson went down to Timnath, he saw a woman of Timnath, of the daughter of Philistines, and came unto his, his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. What was... What was Samson's lust is he saw and he desired. And that 
desire was the very thing that drove Samson. How very sad. How very sad. See, Samson, and I, I don't think it is a mistake in any way, shape, or form that we are told in Judges chapter 14, verse 1, that he saw. Doesn't say that he talked to her, that he met her, that he had any other community, but he saw and he lusted. Now, let's go back to, <clears throat> to Moses' daughter. She saw the basket, told her maid, bring that over here, opened it up, and she saw and had compassion on the baby. She didn't stand and have a, have a conversation with him. Why? Because he was an infant. Jesus saw and had compassion on the multitude. He didn't have a survey and say, how many of you are hungry and tired? He saw. We need to be so very careful what we see. Because let let me give you the definition of lust again. A passionate or overmastering desire or craving. An overmastering. I love that word, overmastering. Overwhelming would be another word. Compassion is about others. Lust is about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Judges chapter 16, verse 1. And then Samson, uh, excuse me, then went Samson to uh, Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. Again, what happened? He saw. He saw. Again, I want to I want to bring us back to the Pharaoh's daughter and Jesus, and 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 draw, see if we can understand the importance of what we let into our eye gate. Our our what we see is so important that we keep it under control. One of the greatest dangers to Christians today is pornography. I, I, saw, I saw some statistics. Those of you that know me know I love statistics. Numbers help me. I, under, I understand statistics. And I read, this, I read this recently, and I was absolutely stunned by these numbers. 77% of Christian men 77% of Christian men, 60% of Christian women admit to struggling with lust. That means that next Sunday when we have more people here, <laughs> that means that three quarters of the men 
that will attend our church struggle with lust. And, and over half of the women struggle with lust. 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women struggle specifically with pornography. Think about that. That's a staggering number. But what are we doing? We're, we're allowing that garbage into our eyes. And when we see, guess what happens? We want. of men, Christian men, and 40% of Christian women had sexual sin in their lives in the past 12 months. And I don't think that's by accident. I think it's because the same problem that Samson had. The problem of lust. Again, these numbers are staggering. That means that half over over half of the men in churches across America today have committed some sort of sexual sin in the past 12 months. And 20 or excuse me, 40% of the women. And we wonder why churches in America today are struggling. See, God's desire is for His people to have pleasure. But God also designed that pleasure to be played out in the role of marriage. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, it says, Delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. God has a plan to give us, to, to help us fulfill and have a joyful life. But it has to be done within His plan and not ours. Samson was a man of promise, a man of power, a man of pleasure, and a man of pain. Look at chapter 16, verse 20. Chapter 16, and verse 20. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of sleep and said, Go, I, I will go out at the, at, uh, as of other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had de- was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him out to Gaza and bound him uh, with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but a few weeks ago I, I made this statement that I believe, and this is my opinion, I believe that the saddest verse in Scripture is Acts chapter 26, verse 28 where King Agrippa says this, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That to me is the saddest scripture or verse in the entire Bible. But verse 20 
I believe, is the second saddest verse in Scripture. Look at verse 20 again. And she said, unto the, uh, uh, and she said the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, and he said, I, w- I will go out uh, as at other times before and shake myself. And this underline this last sentence. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't realize that, the, that, the, that, that God had left him. How very sad. How very sad. A man of pain. His heart was broken. Physically, his eyes had been put out. He was, he was grinding in the prison house. Do you know what that means? They, they strapped him into a yoke and he became an animal and he would walk in circles dragging a grindstone, grinding wheat. That's what he did. How very sad. How very sad. He had learned a hard lesson that everything that he lusted for left him empty and alone. Everything that he wanted came up empty and alone. Not only did his lust leave him empty and alone, but left him in pain. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. His life ends tragically. Samson, who kills many, many Philistines for the cause of God, ends up dying in shame. But I have good news for you. There, there is hope. You know, I've, I've talked about Samson and, and we don't want to follow in his footsteps. In John chapter 8, verses 34 and 30, uh, to 36, it says, And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the, the, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be made, you shall be free indeed. We can be free from the sin of lust through Jesus Christ. What an incredible blessing. We don't have to be chained to the, the, the sin of lust. The giant of lust will absolutely destroy us and consume us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that had called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
through lust. We have a way out. And then number five. Number five, we've seen uh, the man of promise, the man of power, the man of pleasure, the man of pain. And then number five, the, the escape plan. The escape plan. And, 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 and it's, really, it's really simple. We need to refocus on what we look at. We need to reevaluate what we look at. It is incredibly sad how many Christians today are caught up in pornography. It just breaks my heart. What are you looking at? What are you spending your time consuming your eyes with? The the escape plan is really simple. All you have to do is refocus on the things of God. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. What are you looking at? Jesus saw and was moved with compassion. Samson saw and was moved with lust. He was consumed with lust because he was looking at the wrong things. Even his dad, his mom and dad went to him and said, Son, are there not women within the, the, your, our own family? When they were talking about the Jews, are there not any women of the Jews that, and he's, no, 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 that's what I want. I saw and that's what I want. We get so consumed with what we want. We forget what he wants in our life. In John chapter 4, verse 35, And say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already in the harvest. We need to be looking. We, we have people all around us that need Jesus Christ. We, the, they need people of compassion. They don't need Christians that are filled with lust. What are you spending your time with? What are you spending your time with? Compassion is all about others. Lust is all about me. It's really pretty simple. The escape plan, all you got to do is refocus. Change what you're looking at. Spend time in the book. Spend time praying. And allow God to do a work in your heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, for your love. And Lord, the world around us is crying out for people that were, are willing to be different. The world around us is crying out for people who would look on them and have compassion. We can get so busy and so consumed with our lives 
that we forget to look at those around us. We can get so caught up and consumed with the things of this world, the pornography and the, the different things that can grab our attention away. And it all starts with a look. Dear God, we ask that you would help us to refocus. Help us to identify areas in our lives that are, that are, that are weak spots that we need to work on. And help us, dear God, to be a compassionate people. Always putting others first. Always trying to do what we can to further the cause of Christ. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.